0: and to walk with him every step of the way. You are never alone. So we continue our series right now of of walking in the steps of Jesus as we're moving closer to the cross and toward the events of Easter Sunday. As we're in this series today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about something that I always thought was a good thing. A gold star. Did you ever get one of those in your paper growing up or in school? A gold star. Well, well, I always thought that had a really great connotation. But the other day I was uh, at a nursing home and I learned a secret. Now you probably knew this. I'm just slow to the game. But if a person has a yellow star in front of their on their door or their board, it means they're a fall risk. It's the idea of a falling star. Falling stars, I'm really glad Virgil didn't know that when I fell down at that wedding a few months ago, uh, because he would have put a big gold star on my door, right? He would have done that, that's the kind of guy Virgil is. I love him, that's the way he would have done. It made me think about things, and since then I've noticed that if a person is a fall risk right at the hospital, you wear a gold wristband, a yellow wristband that says, hey, you're at risk for falling. And it made me think about something, because in life, right, I don't know about you, but we are at risk for falling. A lot of us fall down, and one way or another, we don't do the right thing. In fact, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We fall down. There's a real sense in which we should probably all be wearing gold wristbands or yellow wristbands around that says, yeah, I'm a fall risk, because we are. We are. Well, understanding that got me thinking a lot about The idea of falling. And as I was thinking through that and want to talk to you today about how God picks us up when we fall, how he's with us when we fall, I wanted to to look at some passages of scriptures that really emphasize that. And and the one that immediately came to mind was the story of Peter when he's sinking in the water. Although we're not going to talk about that today. That's the one that came to mind first. Then some others started to come into my mind, and as they did, and I talked with Virgil, the text from Mark 4 and 5 really became clear. Because in this little section of about 40 or so verses, we're going to see that things fall down a lot. And in fact, how things and who falls and what falls, that's important to the story of of what God's trying to accomplish through Jesus as he's moving towards the cross. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. And as we do so, pay close attention to who falls where, what's falling in each story, and and what the significance of that is as we think about how God is there to pick us up when we fall. Now, this is a period of about roughly 16, 15, 16 hours of time is covered in this passage that starts in Mark 4.35... And then it will end at the end of chapter 5. It's a period of time. So less than a full 24-hour day encompasses all of these events. And here's the thing about Jesus, right? We're going to see this as like a whirlwind, but I think that's how it was for Jesus almost every day. And that's why Jesus so frequently pulls aside and says, I've got to get away from this. I'm going to go talk to my father because uh, this, this is the pace at which ministry happened. Well, it says that on this particular day in Mark 4, Jesus had been preaching all day long. If you read Mark 4, he tells parable after parable. He's beside the lake, and people are anxious to hear what he has to say. As evening comes, it says, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them but a furious squall came up the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion the disciples woke him and said Jesus teacher don't you care if we drown now what's falling in the story so far right so we have waves falling over the sides of the boat now, I don't know if you've ever been at the beach when a big wave comes in and just knocks you off your feet. That in itself is a little scary, even if you're up on the beach close to the shore. But it has to be really intimidating to be out there in the middle of the sea at night in the dark, and waves are like coming over the top of the boat. Well, they don't like have flashlights, right? But they know what's happening from the little bit of moonlight they have, and they can feel it. The water is sloshing around their feet. It's scary. In a way, all right, the world's caving in on them. It's falling in on them. And uh, they're afraid, and they do exactly what we should do when we're afraid. They go to Jesus. (laughs) Now, their their response to him is kind of an interesting one, right? They're like, "Listen, teacher, don't you care?" But if we're honest, we can relate to that too. When the world seems to be falling down, sometimes we ask the same question: God, don't you care? (laughs) Don't you care what we're going through? Jesus, of course, cares. He's not going to let them fall into the sea, is he? He's not going to fall to the depths of the sea. So Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind and he says to the waves, quiet now, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, there's a sternness to Jesus that we often miss. We, we like to think of Jesus as this happy person who's always hugging everybody. And, and there are moments where he certainly did that. Let the little children come to me, and he puts the kids on his lap. But there are a lot of moments where Jesus is really stern with the followers. I mean, this is a stern answer. How would you feel if, if Jesus said this to you? If Jesus said to you, why are you so afraid? Why don't you have any faith? That'd sting a little bit it sting a little bit but that is what jesus said to them he wants them to get something if i'm with you i'm not going to let you fall to the depths trust me now after jesus had calmed the storm verse 41 says they were terrified they were still terrified but this time it was a different kind of terror they were understanding one more thing about jesus that he was more powerful than the wind and the waves and the elements. It says they were terrified, and they said, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now Mark 4, has we'll assume it started at the evening time, so let's say it started 6, 7 p.m. in the evening. Now they've gone across a stormy sea. Now here's the thing about this lake. On one side you have a lot of the more remote uh, Jewish villages, on the other side, uh, you also have some Jewish villages, but it's where we start to move in towards what we would have called more of the Gentile lands or the places that foreigners lived, especially Romans. It was, a, it was a different place also on this side of the, of the sea. These are some of the last vestiges of where idol worship had occurred, where people had worshipped Baal and Asherah. And in, in the, the biggest part of this is that you had people that weren't attending the synagogues, they weren't worshiping. These were kind of the, this was the location that was filled with the backsliders, (laughs) the people that weren't really fitting into the mainstream of Jewish life. That's who lived there. Now, I don't know for certain if this man in the story was uh, a Gentile or if he was a, a Jewish man. We don't know that for certain. I suspect he was a Gentile, although I can't prove that. But I know this, whatever the circumstance was, God is going to use the person in the story to reach Gentiles, that's for certain, because of where he sends them to go. But as we read this next story, right, we've had the disciples get out of the boat, and and they are getting out of the boat on the side of the lake you don't go to. They're in the area of Gennesaret, the home of the Gerasenes. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart. He broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and, here we got that theme again, fell down. This time it's a man falling down in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he said, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those who were tending the pigs ran off. They reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, but he was sitting there. He was dressed. He was in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and it's told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. This is really fascinating. Who was the first person to plead with Jesus? In our stories today, at least, it had been the disciples pleaded, right? The next person to plead was a demon inside of a man pleaded with Jesus. And now we have the people of this village pleading. With Jesus it's interesting so far two out of the three have asked him to leave when they pleaded with them now as Jesus was getting into the boat the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him you can picture him also falling here on his knees before Jesus but Jesus did not let him He said to him, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, that is the 10 cities, 10 Roman cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The disciples were falling. Jesus spoke a word and caught them, if you will, saved them. This man, the Gadarene, the garrison, he was fallen under the influence of the devil himself. But Jesus caught him, put him back in his right mind, turned the man everyone was afraid of into one of the very first missionaries into the Gentile word. That's what the Gentile, the Decapolis, is about in part. He sends him there to areas that have a predominance of Gentiles to speak the truth about what Jesus has done for him. We can read from another story later on about a man who had been born deaf without hearing that when he encounters Jesus in the same region, he seems to know that Jesus is able to heal we can speculate at least that maybe the reason he knows that is that this man has been effective in telling people about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him when he was falling down and couldn't help himself. Well, we go on. This day is not over. It's kind of just getting started. The night was eventful with a storm. The morning was eventful with the, uh, a a. Uh, exorcism. I guess we could say that in this story. And uh, and now the day is far from over because it says that when Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him again while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down at Jesus' feet, more falling down. He fell down at his feet, He pleaded earnestly with him, "'Jesus, my little daughter is dying. "'Please come, put your hands on her "'so that she'll be healed and she'll live.' "'So Jesus went with him. "'A large crowd pressed around him, "'and a woman was there "'who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. "'She had suffered a great deal "'under the care of many doctors.' and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse her health was falling her world was falling apart when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if i just touch his clothes i'll be healed immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering Now, once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples, who were always, they just had so much tact, didn't they? They always said just the right thing. No, they frequently said exactly the wrong thing. You see these people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? They were a real sensitive bunch. This is important. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came. And what happened? She fell. as feet. a lot of gold stars here, aren't there? A lot of people falling before Jesus in these stories. She fell before him. She was trembling with fear, and she told him the whole truth. Let me just say this, by the way. I don't know why some people will refuse to talk to God about things that are in their life that they've done. I mean, he knows the whole truth, right? So why would you not tell him the whole truth? He already knows it. He's just waiting for you to say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did these things. He knows the whole truth. And she told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Man, what a day. And we're not even to the big capstone moment of the day yet. And we've got people being healed, people being freed, people being rescued. But while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, who was the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Those are words I hope none of you ever have to hear. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus spoke to Jairus and he said these words, Don't be afraid. Just believe. If we could have gone back to the boat, what was the message Jesus really wanted his disciples to hear? Don't be afraid. Just believe in me. What would have been his message to the man from the Decapolis who didn't really want to go back home and face all the mistakes he'd made? It would have been, Don't be afraid believe in me and what did he say to the woman who had fallen down don't be afraid anymore you're healed it's over believe and what does he say now to Jairus who's just heard words to him that are the worst words he's ever heard in his life your daughter is dead But even to him, facing an impossible circumstance, Jesus says, just believe. Don't be afraid. Now Jesus did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is a really interesting thing. And there's a little bit of speculation in what I'm going to say in a second here. But but in the story, Jesus is limiting who gets to see this miracle. He's limiting who gets to be a part of this for a very specific reason, I think. He only takes those three, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And Jesus went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but the child is asleep. Here are five words that you would not want to have spoken about you when it came to Jesus, but they laughed at him. Man, if they really understood what they were doing in that moment, wow. But in fairness, a lot of people have laughed at God thinking that what he was saying was impossible. When God said, Sarah, I was going to have a baby in her old age, what did she do? She said, That's not possible. That's crazy talk. Yeah. When they heard Jesus say she's just asleep, that's what they said. I think Jesus knows her circumstance. Maybe she's comatose. Uh, maybe he understands this is a kind of sleep that's not yet uh, equivalent with death. Whatever the case is, uh, he makes it very clear to the people outside that she's just asleep. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. Now, she's clearly laying down. She's fallen down, succumbed to whatever this is, this illness or injury that's taken her to this state. And Jesus, as she's laying there, takes her little hand, and he speaks these words, Talitha kum. Which means, little girl, get up. And immediately, this girl who had fallen down stands up. She stands up. She began to walk around. Now, Mark notes here, she was 12 years old. I have, a, I used, to, well, she's 13 now. I had a 12-year-old niece, and this is all I saw her do all of Christmas did cartwheels and flip-flops and and gymnastics. Like, that's all they wanted to do. And I saw them do it. I thought my house will never be the same. But that's another story. And and I have to imagine that one of the reasons Mark makes this note that she got up and started doing things is she was energetic. She was filled with life once again. Like energy had come back into her. And Jesus had healed her. Once again, someone had fallen down, but he lifted them up, and he put them back Better, maybe, even than she was before. And everyone, it says, at this, they were completely astonished. But Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Don't let anyone else know about this. Why would Jesus do that? Think about the two stories. The demon-possessed man was told, go and tell everybody what I've done for you. But this woman, this girl, on the other side of the lake, closer to the Jewish community, definitely a Jewish family. Her dad was a synagogue leader. To them, Jesus says, don't tell. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for why, but I actually think one of them is the simplest explanation. If you look at some other stories of Jesus, people that are healed by him are put under incredible scrutiny. Remember the man who had been born blind? He actually got put out of the synagogue. After Jesus healed him. I think the biggest reason Jesus says don't tell anyone is actually just to protect this child so she doesn't face all of that scrutiny and all the things that would come with the idea that Jesus has healed someone from those that were against. I think it's also to protect Jairus. It's also to protect him. Jairus, listen, if you go talk about this everywhere, it's going to bring so much scrutiny on you, and it's not your cross to bear. Jesus actually gives him permission to say, okay, Jairus, not now. It wasn't that you could never tell ever, but not now. The temperature's too high. Just rejoice in the Lord that he has healed you and healed your daughter and made her whole. It's a good moment. It's a powerful moment. Of course, the last words Jesus gives encourage me, they hopefully encourage you, that After the time of sickness, Jesus is also okay with having a little bit to eat. And he says, hey, he told them, give her something to eat. Help her to get on her way. It's a nice way to end what has been a really crazy uh, 16 or 18 hours of time. What a whirlwind. Everything is falling down. But Jesus is restoring in every situation. The sea falls in on the boat, and God, Jesus makes it calm. The demons have fallen in on this man, and Jesus makes him whole. This woman's world has fallen because she can't be pure in the synagogue or under the law. She can't be married. Her life is a disaster. It's fallen apart, but Jesus makes her whole, restores her. And this man and his daughter... Well, they've lost hope. Everyone else has lost hope, but Jesus has restored that. He says, don't let your hope fall, believe in me. And your child will arise and live. The psalmist understood a lot about the nature of God. Even before the time of Christ, David wrote these words. In Psalm 37, listen to them. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his right hand. Or again in Psalm 118, we read the words, I was pushed back, I was about to fall, but the Lord helped me. Or Psalm 145, 14, The Lord upholds all who fall, and he lifts up all who are bowed down. One of the missions of Jesus as he moved toward the cross, was to catch the falling. To catch the falling. I have a friend. She's a college professor. She's a speaker. uh, she's She's a tremendously talented person. And on her resume, she has one other really odd thing. She was a roller derby girl. Now, I don't know what you know about roller derby, right? That's like you try to get so many laps in, and the girls are pushing each other down. It's kind of a crazy sport, and she got into that world, and, and I was fascinated by it when she told this particular story about three lessons that she learned from her time in roller derby. And, uh, and so I want to tell you a part of what Amy told me. She said the first thing that she learned in roller derby was, she said, they tell you this, right, everybody's doing roller skates, she says that if you fall down, uh, if you fall down, the first rule is fall small. Like you don't want to sprawl out when you fall because your fingers are get run over or you cause other people to fall. So they say when you fall, fall small. You know, fall as small as you can. Get into a tight little ball. Get, you want to fall small. And boy, there's some truth to that. Like if we fall, let's let's not fall all the way. Let's fall as small as we can when we fall. That, that's a really good, a really good word. Uh, the second one is also really good. The, the, the other adage is right. In roller derby, if you fall, not only do you fall small, but if you fall, you want to get up as fast as you can. The longer you're on the ground, the more at risk you are. So get up as quick as you can. This is also good advice for us in life. I I can see that. It's the third thing she said that I think is the most important. She said if you fall and you realize that you're hurt and you can't get up, then the signal that everyone else will know is you just take a knee. You take a knee, and they know then that you need help, and help will come. One this story is about falling, right? I think there's a lot for us to learn. Like, we want to fall small. We don't want to end up in the shape of the guy who was ultimately possessed by demons. Like, he kept falling. He didn't fall small. He fell big. Uh, we, want to fall, we want to fall small if we can. Don't spend much time in the falling place. And um, when we fall, we want to get back up as quick as we can. It's important, but we might not be able to do it on our own. In fact, sometimes when we fall, we just can't do it on our own. And if you can't do it on your own, then just take a knee. Take a knee. A gyrus did it when he pleaded with Jesus. The woman did it out of order. She took a knee after she had touched Jesus, and then she took a knee, fell on her knees in front of him. The demon-possessed man did it when he begs Jesus to take him with him and help him go into a new life. And maybe this morning it's time for us to do that. Maybe you feel like you live in a space that's falling apart right now. It could be health, finances, and relationships. I don't know. I hope that you're not in a falling place, but a lot of us find ourselves there from time to time. If you're there, understand that the same Jesus who helped the disciples, who helped that man, who helped the woman, who helped the little girl, the same Jesus wants to help you. Take a knee. Ask for his help. And he will help you. Oh, the world may laugh. They may say it's impossible. But I believe... And I hope you believe, impossible is one word that doesn't fit with Jesus. For with God, all things are possible. If you have a circumstance in your life that you want to talk to God about, do that today. If you need the help of Christian brothers and sisters to come alongside you and lift you up, let us know that. Tell us today, I need your help. And if you're here this morning you've never yet accepted Jesus Well, it's time that you stop falling. Take hold of the one who can catch hold of you, who can keep you from falling, who can lift you up and set your life on a whole new trajectory. Whatever decision you have to make, would you make it right now as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation?